Right at the very beginning, I need to say that if I appear to get upset, that's okay. Because we're all individuals, and one of the things that happens to me is when the Holy Spirit is churning up things in me, I tend to cry. Okay, So it's not because I'm trying to be emotional. That's just the way it happens. Um, looking ahead, my daughter's weddings are going to be disastrous. Um, but that would be for different reasons. But technology <laughs> is a wonderful thing. Uh, I was born in a generation where there were only three television channels, where at the end of the night, it used to go black, black after the national anthem had played. Um, where journeys with my parents to go on holiday, usually to Devon or Dorset or Cornwall camping, involved my mum having a map and my dad not listening to the instructions that were given to him. But you're never too old to learn. And uh, I just want to start with something light-hearted. I hope you'll, uh, you'll, you'll uh, bear with me. A wife finally learned how to send text messages from her mobile to demonstrate her skill to the women's coffee morning, whilst they enjoyed their coffee and cake, she sent her husband a text. Even in our late 60s, we are quite a romantic couple, she confessed to her friends. Her text read, If you are sleeping, send me your dreams. If you are laughing, send me your smile. If you are eating, send me a bite. If you're drinking, send me a sip. If you're crying, Send me your tears. I love you. The group waited with interest for the reply. It, became, it came immediately. I am on the toilet. Please advise. <laughs> <clears throat> there are times and places, aren't there? And part of, part of my generation meant that you'd write a letter and wait a week for a reply. Now, if we don't get a reply from a text in 15 or 30 seconds... We get a bit itchy. What's the other person doing? Why haven't they replied? We could be in a meeting. We could be playing on Facebook. There's lots of different reasons why we don't get an immediate reply. Now, um, it will become obvious why I've, why I've mentioned sat-navs and maps a little bit later on. But I want us to read from James chapter 4 and verse 13 to 17. Um, we've been working through James, and I love it. I love having a theme. I love having a book of the Bible that we've worked through together as church and in small groups. It's, it's been great. And uh, we come to um, chapter 4 and verses 13 to 17. And uh, I kind of, I picked, we, I had an amazing opportunity of actually saying which I wanted to do. And uh, my passage also um, did cover chapter 5, Warning to Rich Oppressors. And because I'm involved with the church's social action arm of helping people in times of crisis who haven't got money, I was thinking, oh, yes, here we go. Nice political rant about uh, the rich having and the poor not having. And then God actually spoke into the situation, and I thought, okay, I won't be doing that then. <clears throat> but 13 to 17 says this. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow... We will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. That's quite nice, isn't it? Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. 
As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. And that's a verse that I have not been able to get past since reading through and praying through what it was that God wanted to say to us as church. Now I've got um, four things uh, I want to, to, for us to consider while we're going through it. And my first point is, is doing my own thing wrong? Essentially, no. Here's the thing. God gives us, I believe that God gives us choices throughout our lives. Almost constantly. When he created, when he made Adam and Eve, he didn't give them a whole long list of do's and don'ts. He just said, there's one thing I don't want you to do. And being Adam and Eve, that was the thing that they did do. And sin entered into the world. And it's a consequence of that that we have all of the rules and regulations that we have in the Old Testament. Some of them classed as relevant for today, some of them dismissed as uh, cultural at the time. But this passage follows on from what Colin was saying last week about submitting ourselves to God. In verse 7 of chapter 4, it tells us to submit ourselves to God and to resist the devil and he will flee from us. All we have to do is to check what we're doing, that it's in line with the scripture, it's in line with the Bible and uh, what the Bible teaches. And that is sometimes where the problem sets in. If we dismiss something as cultural, as relevant at the time, but no longer relevant now, then that's when we get onto dodgy ground. And that can be a tough thing sometimes. Again, when I was younger, and there still is a denomination who will insist on women praying with their heads covered. However, the men do not have long beards, which is also in the same kind of passage about teaching. Women shouldn't pray with their heads uh, uncovered. Men shouldn't shave. Funny that, isn't it? Yes, and there are people who have rather magnificent beards, and that's really good. But when you pick and choose and make a doctrine out of it, that's when you're on dodgy ground. So, the best thing to do is not to ignore and not to try and cut up bits of the Bible that aren't relevant or we see as not relevant. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Not in some of your ways. It says in all of your ways Submit to him, and he will make your path straight. And I think that is amazing. It's, it's kind of the blueprint for us to live our lives. If in all of our ways we're acknowledging God, he will make it clear what we're supposed to do. If we're in doubt, what do we do? We look in the book, and the book tells us. It's when we try and say it's not relevant that we hit problems. What the kingdom of God values do is turn the world's values upside down and makes them work. The world says, do what makes you feel good. Just do it. And the result will be that you will be happy. Well, that doesn't work. So what does the Bible say? It says, put God first, and he would guide you, then you will get happiness. 
Not in a robot kind of way, not in a conforming sort of way, but because our heart desires to do what God wants us to do. So the first, the first thing, doing our own thing is not always the best thing to do. The second point is, who knows what tomorrow holds? Well, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, in all your ways acknowledge him, he will make your path straight. So you kind of know where you're going, it's just how you get there. Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13, this is often quoted, often given to people. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me if you seek me with all your heart. So we're not talking about a quick fix. Oh, what shall I do? And pointing to a verse in the Bible. Somebody did that once and they got, and Judas went and hung himself. Oh, that can't possibly be for me. Let's do it again. Go you and do likewise. Ooh. Okay, the, the odds of that happening are probably more than winning the lottery. Um, but that's not a good way to find God's will, to, to spin it until you get a nice verse. Knowing God's word is the best way. And for me, what the word that, that always comes out of Jeremiah is not, God says, I know the plan I have for you. It's the plans I have for you. Now, this is where I might get into deep water. I believe that often God has more than one plan for us. He will give us choices. We can choose which way we go. Just because we, we pick plan B, it doesn't mean that we're stepping outside of God's will if it lines up with Scripture. Some people, and, and I hope Sam Bruin will forgive me for this, Sam had a choice of two brilliant jobs to go for. And actually, it made no huge difference which one he went for, because God would have been pleased, and God is pleased, which is, which whichever one he went for, whether it's Winchester or Petersfield, he went for Winchester, not a country boy up in Petersfield. But God gave him a choice of two jobs, and either of them were okay. Actually, if one of them caused problems and was unjust and was against what it teaches in the Bible, that's quite clear, actually, not to go for that job. But sometimes God gives us because he has plans to prosper us, more than one plan. And because he knows everything, and I don't know how he knows this, but because he knows everything, he knows which one we're going to choose, so actually that one becomes the perfect way that God wanted us to have. Yes, there is a sense that if we make a wrong decision, we can miss out on God's blessing, or the amount of blessing that we have. But this, Jeremiah was written... um, after that, this promise would come after the Babylonian exile, when the Israelites were in exile <coughs> in, uh, in Babylon. But God promises, what does he promise? He promises that he would hear and answer their prayers. When? When they called on him and sought after him with all their heart. Do you see a pattern beginning to develop here? That if we want to know what God's will is for us, that we need to acknowledge him in all of our ways, we need to seek after him with all of our heart. And do you know that the devastating thing is, that is how simple it is. It's really, really quite simple. We seek after God with all of our hearts and he'll show us the plan for us. We haven't got to do a 15-week course. We haven't got to take exams. We just need to seek God 
with all of our heart. A problem I have, and I'm, I'm happy to share, you, share this with you, is when some people say, God has told me to go to China. A week later, they say, God's told me to go to India. Has God changed his mind? I don't think so. Either the person hasn't been listening, or they're thinking, this is my great idea, therefore it must be God's idea. And I'm not disrespecting anybody who uses that quite a lot and says, God's told me to do this, because in the little things, maybe he does. I'm always very careful that I know exactly what God wants me to do before I put God's name to it. And I think this is the danger that we have, is if we're doing something that we want to do, and we say, God has told me to do it, and it goes wrong, because we haven't sought God, and we're not following him, and it's not in line with his word, that's when things can get a little bit tricky. Now, if you disagree with me, please come and talk to me afterwards. I'm happy to talk to you about it, but I really do believe that we should be 100% sure that what we want to do is God's will before we put his name on it. I know if somebody's doing something in the name of Portsmouth Food Bank, I want to know about it before they put Portsmouth Food Bank's name to it. I know if there's something going on in the community that is in the name of King's Church, that we want to know about it and agree with it before it happens. And I believe that God wants to know and agree with any plan that we have in our lives before we put his name to it. My third point is, and it comes back to the map or sat-nav. Now, both have potential to get you where you need to go, and both have the relevant information if it is put in there by the, accurately by the people who compi- compile it. Um, one of the lovely things about the sat-nav that I have at the moment is it will tell me to get back to the highlighted route. Um, Now, we drive up to Lincoln now and again, and there's a new bit of road that hasn't yet been programmed into the sat-nav. So we're tootling along. Is it the A? It's an A road, isn't it? Yeah, the A46. Tootling along there, knowing that we're going in the right direction, and the sat-nav will say, please get back to the highlighted route. We're on the highlighted route. Um, The sat-nav that I had used before says, recalculating, recalculating, before it takes you on a different route to get you back on track. But that can only do that if the information put into it is correct. Now, why am I mentioning sat-navs? Well, if you want to know what God wants you to do, and you're a bit reluctant, perhaps, to read the Bible, always a dodgy thing, you can ask people. But the people that you trust will only tell you and give you correct information if they're programmed by the Word of God, by the Holy Spirit. So it's kind of like asking for information from somebody who hasn't applied the Word of God is not going to give you the correct information. A map can only be correct if the cartographers have actually compiled the information right. And I'm sorry if that's the wrong word but I know what I mean. 
So those, both of those are good, but the best thing to do is to go to the book, to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what it is that God wants you to do. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I, I love the message to put something in a nice way that is great or enables my understanding better. I wouldn't say it's the most accurate translation of the word of God, but I would say that sometimes it helps me to understand it a little bit better. And Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Now for me, that gives me more to think about than just looking at another version that says, offer your body as a living sacrifice. Now I understand that because I understand all about sacrifices, but that gives me easy steps to apply. My everyday life, my walking, my talking, my eating, my sleeping, my family life, my church life, my work life. If I'm offering all of those as as a sacrifice, as an offering to God, then it becomes very difficult to walk outside of God's will. And this is the thing. If you're walking a path that's going to keep you safe, it will do just that. Now, it doesn't mean that, that God wants a church full of safe Christians, because I'll tell you, certainly if he did, he wouldn't have the five senior leaders that he's got leading this church if he wanted safe Christians. Because none of us are. We all do it in different ways, but we're all prepared to live on the edge. But living on the edge, if you're going to live on the edge, you need to know where your base is. You need to know what your restrictions are. Not to live as close to the edge danger-wise, but to live right to the edge of what God wants you to do, because then he will take you further. It's not a safe existence that God wants from us. And this brings me to what I think is the crux for this morning. And that is, I know what to do, but I prefer not to. And this is where verse 17 becomes very clear. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. And I hate verses in the Bible like that because there's no arguing. If I know what's good and I don't do it, I'm sinning. And the hard fact is that I do that every day. But you know, it doesn't say Martin knows good and doesn't do it. It says anyone 
And that's us. That is all of us. Now, there doesn't seem to be any wriggle, what I call wriggle room. Now, I am a person who has been rooted, and I still am from time to time, rooted in wriggle room. Try saying that if you have a bit of a trouble pronouncing things. Wriggle room. Um, I used to like, and I still do, to be honest, I used to, well, I do. I find out what's expected of me, and then I work out how much wriggle room there is to get away with without doing it. And uh, uh, back, in, back in the last century, I went to Bible college. And they had this rather wonderful thing called a student handbook that had something like 58 worthless rules in it. And it became a bit of a challenge to break every single rule that there was in that book. And I did it. Because do not ride your bike across, across, across the quadrangle. I could not see the point of that. Anyway, but that is not, don't get me wrong, that is a bad thing to have done. Because what I was doing, I was showing disrespect to the Bible college. I was showing disrespect to the people who had brought it there. It was obviously at one time, it was put there for a reason. But what I want to say to you this morning is regal room is never good. However you want to dress it up, wriggle room is not good. I believe that God loves a rebel. And I have done things in my life that I would not have done if I didn't have a rebellious nature. Good things. But alongside that come the bad things that I've done because I'm a rebel. Because my nature is. If I see something as a personal injustice, what's the first thing I do is fight against it. It's not good unless it lines up with what the Bible says. Unfortunately, there's a, Bible, there's a verse in the Bible that says, submit to the authorities that there are over you. Do you know, I'm really glad that I'm part of a leadership team who take the time to speak into my life. Facebook and Twitter are wonderful things. and Sometimes I will write things on my status update that are not helpful. Gives me a chance to vent my spleen, but I'm pulled up on that. And I don't see that as an infringement of my personal right. I see that as brothers and sisters who love me speaking into my life to make sure that my words and my action, both written and spoken, match up to what I should be as a Christian. And it's not always easy but do you know if I submit, then God honours that. So I'm speaking to you today as a person who has people speaking into his life. Not as somebody who's standing up here and saying, I've got it all sorted. So therefore, when God lays something on my heart to speak, I can do so with authority. Knowing that I come from a team who are putting God first. And if you're not a member or part of a team who are putting God first, then get yourself into one. Whether that's a small group, whether that's a ministry, or whether that's here at church. Get yourself into a group who are putting God first and who you will allow to speak into your life. Does all of that fit in with Proverbs 3, 5 and 6? Yes. Does it fit in with Romans 12? Yes, I believe it does. Does it fit in with James 4, 17? Sometimes. 
If I know the good that I should do and I don't do it, what am I doing? I'm committing a sin. And here's what I've been struggling with is if, 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 if I know what I should be doing and don't doing, then how big is my sin? My sin is my sin. God doesn't measure sin by size or volume. Sin is sin. If I'm not doing the good that I know that I should, then I should be doing it. There's no wriggle room. I don't think necessarily that today, this moment, this time, that God, that Jesus is talking about the small stuff that we all do wrong. I know that I've just said that sin is sin, but I believe that God isn't talking about the little stuff that we do wrong. Today I'm trusting that this moment is kind of a light bulb, what I call a light bulb moment. And that light bulb moment will become for you and for us and for me a defining moment. Because we can have light bulb moments where we know something and we don't do anything about it. But it becomes a defining moment when we make a decision, when we make a choice to say, okay, I've heard God's word today and I'm going to do something about it. The joy of knowing Jesus is that these moments are like junctions on a map or when the sat-nav says recalculating or please return to the highlighted area. It's time to acknowledge that we've gone our own way and not God's. And I believe that we're, gonna, we're coming now. We've been very responsive this morning. But I still feel that we should go for the response that I have been praying about. And that is to give us a chance to repent. Ooh. But I'm not talking about confession, because confession, although it's good for the soul, is not actually necessary, I don't think, this morning. Repentance quite simply means, it means to be sorry, it means to regret, and it even means to show remorse. But all of that is a waste of time if it's not accompanied By turning, by turning away. Basically, repentance means I've been going my own way, now I'm choosing to turn around and go God's way. And again, that is all there is to it. When the woman was caught in adultery, he didn't say to her, you need to do this, this and this, so go and sin no more. And what Jesus is saying this morning, it doesn't matter how much wriggling you've done, it doesn't matter which direction you've been going, today, turn around and come my way. Come the way that I want you to do, and, or I want you to go. And the great thing is that Jesus promises he'll be with us. He doesn't say, you go and do it. He says, come my way, come with me. And I think, for me, that is what today is about. Is verse 17. Anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't, sins. But God doesn't want to leave us feeling judged and condemned and at the point where we're thinking, yep, I've gone my own way and not God's, therefore I'm a sinner. I believe that today God wants to give us the opportunity of saying, okay, I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn from my way and go your way. So if the band um, could come up to the that would be excellent. What I, what I believe, and, and if Adam or um, Audrey or any, any of the other members of the, the team feel differently, but at the moment, I would love it if people just came forward. And, do you know, 
Don't worry about what other people are thinking this morning. Just concentrate on yourself and Jesus. Because they're the only two important people in your walk with God today. And it's kind of a... There have also been some people that I've asked to pray this week about what God might want to do. And they're actually going to be over at the side. Um, And so this morning, if you want to respond to God and say, okay, yep, I I want to go... I think I want a really... For me, it's kind of such a positive thing this morning. It's to say, God, I want to go your way. And that's really just to come forward. If there have been things that have cropped up this morning that you think, oh, really wouldn't mind somebody praying with me about that, then this side is for you over here where people are prepared. They've been asking God what he wants to do if there are any specific situations. So please let, let's stand and uh, we'll begin singing. And I, I'm not going to say any more than that other than come forward as a sign that you want to go with God and not your own way.